No team ever won a Rugby World Cup simply by winning their first match after scoring 12 tries. But thanks to some sections of the media, we all now know the way you do win the World Cup is by winning your first match after scoring no tries. It's time to start harping on rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to Harpin' on Rugby, where with the help of some fellow fans, I get the chance to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland and the wider rugby world. This week, I have two longtime Harpin contributors making their first appearances of season five. First up, earning his 22nd pod cap is Mr. Keenan Muller, a.k.a. Rugby Keno. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, Jeff. Great to be back. Indeed. Good to have you. And also with us, earning pod cap number 11 to go with what will probably always be the record amount of guest articles on our old Harpen and Rugby.net site. He has his own pod, Post to Post Sport, where they cover many sports, but mostly Irish women's football, as well as all forms of rugby. Welcome back to Mr. Kieran Duffy. Yeah, nice to be back on. Uh, you know, it's a World Cup. Ireland are at it. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Oh, dear. <laughs> right, gents, listen, we're going to kick off with a feature we call the Front Five, where we pick out five eye-catching, egg-chasing quotes and links from around the rugby sphere and offer a few quick thoughts. Beginning with yourself, Kino, your first article comes from Le Monde, and um, the headline is uh, Rugby World Cup France win thrilling opener over New Zealand 27 to 13. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by this. I would have expected a an extremely French newspaper such as Le Monde to have been a bit more effusive uh, about the win, but it was a little bit uh, work work workmanlike uh, as reviews of matches go. They kind of went into other bits about the Olympics and other things. Uh, but uh, what a match it was! Uh, you know, World Cup opener, a roller coaster of a very Joe Schmidt looking New Zealand game plan, a kicking long and defending hard, keeping France pinned into their own half for the entirety of the first 40. And then France getting, I'd say, uh, an entire Argos worth of hairdryers flung at them at halftime because uh, they came out <laughs> all guns firing. There was absolutely no stopping them. Um, a really emotionally charged victory for France, you know, 16 years ago. They faced a humbling defeat in a World Cup opener, uh, but now they've laid down a marker here. Um, Ramos was probably the star of the show for me, uh, landing five penalties and the conversion. Uh, created that pressure in the second half that eventually broke the All Blacks, uh, late tries from Penno and Jaminet. Um, the All Blacks had their moments with Claire scoring twice, but they looked ragged by the end. Um, Aldrich was another standout. You know, he is he really is a talisman. Um, and it's kind of, it's almost unfair that the captaincy has taken off of him. Like he, he's just an amazing, amazing rugby player. Uh, but Penno as well sh- shows exactly why he's one of the best wings in the world, you know. And uh and the French scrum was absolutely dominant too. Um the All Blacks the game plan looked like it was working in the first half, but other than that, they looked like they're struggling uh with depth and form that we didn't expect to see from them in a World Cup. Um, it, it looks more like the sec, the, you know, their actual form is the second South Africa match more than the first South Africa match. Um, so yeah, World, Rugby World Cup has started with a bang, and France made a statement of intent, 
And uh, yeah, having never lost a pool game before, New Zealand are on a back foot like at a World Cup, like we've never seen. Definitely, certainly can't add anything to that. Okay, Karen, we'll go over to yourself for your first article, and uh, yours is from the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. It's from Tom Decent, and uh, the headline is uh, "Wallabies Beat Georgia in Rugby World Cup Opener in France." Yeah, you know, I was uh, wondering what the attitude would be over in Australia. This is a uh, quite a positive article. I mean, it, it does talk about. Uh, how things were going fairly badly. It's I think it was nearly 300 days since their last win, it says. Um, particularly focused on Ben Donaldson and Will Skelton, who both had very good games. Uh, ben Donaldson's 56-minute try kind of killed things off. As for the match itself, uh, I was a bit disappointed in Georgia, to be honest. I thought, you know, we always talk about how Tier 2 sides, you know, they, they deserve more opportunities. And in fairness... Georgia have taken their opportunities generally. I mean, they were good, they were they were uh, good in their um, they were good in the uh, Rugby Europe Championship. They they won it this year. They've been fairly decent. Um, you know, they they beat Wales, they beat Italy last year. But again, um, they just seem to just seem to never really get going this time around. I mean, I was I was pretty disappointed in them. Um, I I felt like Australia, on the other hand, they'll benefit from this now because. To be honest, uh, I, I had no expectations for Australia. I was thinking they might not even get out of the pool. I think um, Fiji are going to top that. Well, I know we're recording this bit before Fiji Wales. I, 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 I might have to eat those words, but I do think Fiji will get out of this. Uh, Australia, I wouldn't be overly confident about them beating um, beating Wales either because I think Wales just seem to be the kind of team that turned up at a World Cup. Um, but at the same time, yeah, Australia, um, they look, they 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 parried their way to the game. The article talks a lot about how they'll grow into the tournament and they have the opportunity to do that now. So that was probably as good of a start as they could have had because it's it's a bit understated. I mean, people are probably more focusing on how Georgia didn't really click in the gear. As for Georgia, I mean, I think it just goes to show that as good as a lot of the Tier 2 nations can be, and we've seen some decent performances from Tier 2 nations in recent times, you know, if they're not playing regularly, regular games at very high levels, like Georgia have walked to the Rugby Europe Championship the last few times, uh, but they're not playing regular high levels of rugby, and you can see that, you can see they were just outmatched, I mean Australia kind of bulldozed over them for their first three tries and um, they just never really got a sniff. So uh, at this point in Georgia, don't think they're don't think they've lost their chance to finish uh, in the top three yet to qualify for the next time around. It'll be interesting to see how the qualifiers work if Wales were to finish fourth and have to qualify. But um, yeah, Australia was a case of job done, job done well, um, and hopefully and hopefully from their point of view now, you know the media stays on their side because. Um, Eddie Jones could be a divisive character. I think it's safe to say. So, uh, you know, uh, it, he's he's great when things are going going uh, going well, and things are going well at the moment. So, yeah, look, they could find their way into a semi final. Absolutely. Okay, right now it's time for my article, and it's meant to be about Wales v Fiji, but as Karen said, there it hasn't even kicked off yet as a recording. So, what I have to do is hand you over to our correspondent, which is actually future Jeff. He has this report for us coming to you live from three hours later this evening. 
Hello, past Jeff. Well, I nearly have no voice left at what was clearly the match of the round, and it finished 32-26 to Wales in a match which pretty much had everything, including some well-taken tries. But when the articles are written about this game, it's discipline and more to the point officiating, which should be making most of the headlines. Believe me, I totally get the whole importance of being more respectful to the officials, but it has to be said there was a clear disparity between the two sides in this fixture when it came to issuing warnings and yellow cards and how the Welsh had 15 players on the pitch as Fiji worked their way to within a Sami Radadra knock-on of pinching this one at the death. I'll never know. We can all be one-eyed watching rugby, but I have to say after many years following on Twitter during matches like this, I have never seen opinions so united when it comes to refereeing. That's not to say Fiji hadn't already squandered a number of chances throughout the match, and although Wales led for most of it, they always knew they were in the game, so much so that Dan Bigger gave his teammates a rollicking before halftime for not putting the ball dead. But I'm sorry, you just can't talk about this match without coming back to the officiating. Although since you haven't seen the match yet, past Jeff, when I throw back to you, I reckon you should probably say something safe and neutral like, that was a really good result for Wales there. Just so that you don't get into any trouble, okay? Until next time, this has been Future Jeff reporting to you from, well, uh, the future. Okay, well, thanks for that, Future Jeff. That was a really good result for Wales there. Right, now it's back to yourself, Kino. Now, your article is meant to be from uh, SA Rugby Mag about Springboks v. Scotland. But since the match just finished as we're recording, they've nothing on the site yet. So we're pretty sure what it's going to say anyway, starting, no doubt, with a poll like, what was more the official's fault? A, not getting a bonus point. B, missing all those place kicks. Or C, all of the above and a whole lot more. So uh, why don't you just go over the match yourself, and I'll add the link later. Yeah, the key here is that uh, South Africa didn't lose, so they're probably going to go easy on the ref. Uh, that's my forecast anyway. Uh, um, so, yeah, my own on the on the whistle report. Uh, a Southern Hemisphere powerhouse versus a Six Nations team where kicks make the difference for the first 40 and before one side explodes into action in the second half. Not quite a rerun of the opener, but certainly shades of it. Uh, Scotland were game in the first half. Uh, they they kept South Africa out other than a few penalties within range. Uh, started taking the scrum ascendancy and scored a penalty of their own just before halftime to make it a close 6-3 to South Africa. Uh, it did kind of look in the balance at that stage, but then South Africa came out and turned the screw in the second half. They converted pressure in the 22 into a try through Peter Steff de Toit, and then another via pinpoint crossfield kick. Bomb squad then came on, and the, that swing and scrum advantage and gain line yards really started uh, paying uh, its way for them. So it all kind of sort of petered out after those two tries. Scotland living off scraps of possession in the South Africa half, let alone their 22. Um, South Africa controlled the game well throughout the end game, uh, but other than solo charges late on from Colby and another from Williams, they never really looked like they threatened the try line again themselves. Um, so with the green glasses on, this is close to an ideal result. Neither team looked great. A fair bit of sloppy handling on both sides, though South Africa's defence and bench are certainly still worries. Uh, Scotland looked absolutely unable to create opportunities or capitalise on the ones they got. But most of all, both sides came out without a bonus point. This pool is still there to be taken. Absolutely. Okay, Karen, we're going to finish up now with yourself um, for our fifth and final article. It is um, from the UK Independent, from Duncan Beck. And the headline is George Ford Masterclass earns 14 men England an opening world cup win uh, it was it was something anyway it was a it was it was a game uh, it was it was nearly the first trialless game since the 2015 world cup but they Argentina did get one at the end i think that's the worst i've ever seen Argentina play at a world cup i mean uh, you know i um i 
did they normally kind of seem to gear themselves for World Cups and this was this was as poor as they've been. Uh, the article itself, it does, uh, you know, it's actually surprisingly balanced in terms of it's not like getting carried away with the win. Uh, it does ma- it does mention that discipline remains a concern. Uh, you know, obviously, obviously that's um, you know, you know they um, they they constantly seem to get red cards. Uh, mentions that Curry is actually the first red card at a World Cup for England, and uh, might be the last. But uh, as for the game itself, I thought it was it was look England England they they won the game that was in front of them. They they when they were down a player and based on form they shouldn't have won the game. Argentina were dreadful. I uh, every time they got the ball, they seemed to drop it. I mean, they were just it was as bad. I, I honestly thought there's this ad for Heineken that's doing the rounds at the moment, brewing up a storm as the background noise. It's like an, a, a girl in an English shirt, an Irish shirt, a, a guy in an English shirt, and they're like reacting to the score. I thought that would be the worst thing I have to con- constantly watch during this World Cup. But this Argentina side might actually, uh, might actually beat them out. Um, they were just awful. And to be honest, I. You know, looking at the group that's in it, I think um, I think Samoa are going to get out of this group. I do. I honestly thought Argentina would get out over England. Now I do feel like England are going to qualify just having beaten Argentina. Japan aren't great, but they'll be targeting this Argentina side. It'd be really interesting to see what happens if Argentina, which they could, don't finish in the top four of this group or top three of this group and have to qualify. Because, um, you know, we've seen... We, we've seen... Um, we, we've seen how the qualifiers work and they'd end up playing the likes of Uruguay and Chile and probably taking a spot off one of them uh, or the USA or Canada. But I am um, no Argentina really bad. They need to drastically improve. Probably doesn't help them that they have, you know, a long wait till their next game. They probably love to play, go out and play a game tomorrow, to be honest, just to forget about this one. So um, yeah, look, England did what they need to do. And at the end of the day, that I don't know if anyone mentioned that the draw might have been made too early and it's somewhat lopsided. But you know, there's uh there's an easy route to the semi-final on that side. I mean, I, I don't really think it makes a difference who finishes first or second in the pool. I think any of whether it's England, Samoa, Argentina, whether it's or Japan, whether it's Australia, um, Wales, Georgia, Fiji, I think those sides could all kind of beat each other. So there is a route to a semi-final, and then it's just a one-off game, and by then we could have injuries, suspensions, we're seeing the way red cards go. And so, you know, it is it is playing tournament that's in front of you, and I mean, there's a chance here that one of these sides, I mean, we remember France in 2011, they were probably the worst team to ever get to a Ruby World Cup final, and then they should have won the final. So, you know, it's... Um, it could, it you know, you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, that was that was awful by Argentina, and you know, I wouldn't be too pushed uh, if I was introducing someone to the game of rugby. I wouldn't show them that game because it was a fairly uh, George Ford probably enjoyed it. Aside from that, it was fairly terrible. Absolutely. Okay, so listen, that's it for our front five for now. As ever, you'll find all those links in the program notes. So now it's time for our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Ireland v. Romania in Pool B of the 2023 Rugby World Cup at the Stade de Bordeaux. The weather at kickoff time on Saturday afternoon can only be described as hot, hot, hot. And unfortunately, there were reports that loads of fans had difficulty getting to the ground on time for kickoff due to delays on the trams. There was a late change for Ireland as the decision was made not to risk Robbie Henshaw with his 23 jersey on the bench taken by Mac Hansen. Obviously, with so many tries, that's going to take up most of our harp and time. And they started raining in pretty much from the kickoff keynote. 
Yeah, the match had barely started uh, when Romania, uh, we should note the third lowest ranked side in the World Cup, uh, took everyone by surprise. Uh, just two minutes in, um, Romania's out half of Vau Vasa. Uh, I'm going to take stabs at these names as I go along and make my apology at the end. Uh, managed to gather a kick down the wing. Uh, Earls just couldn't get to it quickly enough. The kick was the right choice, um, but just Earls couldn't get to it. And uh, yeah, he fixed Keenan with a two-on-one. Uh, Vavasa then made swift in- inside pass to Rupanu, uh, who sprinted and scored right under the posts. And yeah, it was... It wasn't great from a, as a defensive uh, display from us. Uh, it was a bit of a deflationary moment of sheer belief for the Irish supporters in general, I think. Uh, the conversion, which should have been straightforward enough, was right in front of the posts, uh, was dragged wide. We chalked that one down to nerves, I think. Uh, but the message was clear. Romania came to play. And then play went Then play went on and uh, we got another, and we fought right back, yeah? Yeah, almost immediately afterwards. Uh, Gibson Park... Um, and yeah, we were still reeling from that, uh, but we knew we had to respond. And absolutely, it was, it was a lovely try. Uh, missed tackle from Jason Tamani, um, who happens to be a brother of the former Leinster player, Joe Tamani. Uh, he, that uh, that gave Gary Ringrose a break. Um, and then, yeah, dancing through the defences, he does. Uh, he found Gibson Park positioned on his shoulder, just waiting there, running that line he always does. And uh, yeah, took the pass and just ran straight through for the score there was really it was quite straightforward in the end um, there was absolutely uh, no mistake with the con- conversion either from Sexton um, and yeah as we took that lead back you could practically hear the sigh of relief from the stadium <laughs> absolutely yeah so after that shaky start Ireland had nudged ahead 7-5 and from there the Romanians did have a couple of visits to our 22 including one where I noticed we tried a choke tackle in car- involving McCarthy and Porter where the ref hesitated calling them all that also happened in the warm-up so we need to be wary of this throughout the tournament I think but anyway, a few phases later, it was uh, Keith Earls jackling his way to what was actually the first penalty of the match after all of nine minutes. And although we were deep in our own half, our second try of the afternoon really stemmed from here, Kieran. Yeah, so uh, when Earls, uh, he, he did well to win the penalty, kind of forced Florian Ro- Rosu to, uh, like like you know, I'll apologize afterwards for the pronunciation, but he forced him to hold on to the ball. So um you know, Ireland did well here in the in the and they were under pressure, just Romania side. They were they were putting it up to Ireland and it wasn't easy to get the scores. But uh O'Mahony and uh James Ryan did well to link up and Hugo Keenan just uh powered over in the end. It's World Cup debut. Um yeah, credit to Keith Earls. I think that's what Ireland will need to do a bit in this World Cup, particularly in the more difficult games. I think look, we expect to be Romania and Tonga. Uh, set Africa and Scotland will be more challenging. I think, uh, you know, turning defense into attack, that counter attacking kind of play, I think that's something Ireland will need to do a lot. But um, yeah, really good, uh, really good quick hands. And uh, Hugo Keenan, for me, he's, he's a vital player for this Ireland team. I mean, he's, we were wondering not too long ago who's going to step in for Rob Carney. We were bemoaning the fact we didn't have Easton Asiwa eligible because of 15 minutes for Fiji. So, you know, I um, I think Hugo Keenan, I'd hope he's rested against Tonga because uh, he's going to be vital for the South Africa game. And then, um, yeah, just after that, um, Tyke Byrne got his first of the day. He got another one later on. Uh, so I came from a Romania line out. Uh, big Joe McCarty, who um, a lot of eyes are on him, obviously, for the selection. And he's a big guy, in fairness. Uh, I think you don't realize how big he is until he's towering over a bunch of Romanian props. Uh, but uh, he did well to hold up the Romanian mall. And then it led to an Ireland scrum. So 
Uh, Ty Byrne found himself out on the wing to finish things off. I think it was a good move. Uh, James Lowe started and ended up getting the assists. Uh, he kicked uh, kicked into space behind the Romania line. And uh, Earls nearly got there. He just kind of lost his footing over the ball. Uh, Hugo Keenan was there to dive on the ball and uh, went for a few hands. And again, James Lowe just acting as the playmaker, finished off the move. And Ty Byrne powered himself over the line on the wing. Uh, like great monster wingers do, like Peter O'Mahony has been known to be a great monster winger uh, in his day. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it was a really good move. And I think that's something, um, you know, if we can move move our back row around, because it's probably the position we're strongest in, uh, if we can move our back row around the pitch like that and have have them uh, in areas where they kind of, can, uh, where they're one-on-one with defenders, I think uh, I think we'll do well in this tournament. Absolutely. Yeah, two really well-constructed scores for sure. So now it was 19-5 to Ireland after 16 minutes. And for a match where we ended up scoring a point a minute, there were actually a couple of decent gaps without scoring. This was the, to be the longest of 15 minutes, which included a kickable penalty for Romania, which Rupanu converted. And after both James Lowe and Hugo Keenan were denied stunning 50-22s in quick succession by freaky bounces. Johnny Sexton showed there was no intention of Ireland letting up when he quickly tapped a penalty around midfield to take us deep into their 22 before Romanian fullback Simeonescu was sent to the sin bin for slowing down the ball. Now, I don't know. Normally, I'm in favour of yellows in exactly this situation. On replay, I thought this particular call might have been a bit harsh, but a penalty it was. And when uh, Joe Mack was held up over the line, Romania took the goal line dropout, and it wasn't long before we were coming straight back at them, Kino. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of get this. This is getting back into the swing of things, and uh, I think Bundy took the bull by the horns here. Um, the build up to it actually was beautiful, though. Um, there was it was Andrew Porter, uh, kind of back towards center field, had a lovely backdoor flick, uh, out to Gary Ringrose, and then took a tackle he wasn't even looking at and hardly moved, <laughs> despite the fact that he didn't see the tackle coming at all. Um, but yeah, Gary uh, ran the ball, um, moved it quickly through hands out to Aki on the wing. Tavita uh, Manumua had to drift wide to cover a potential pass. James Lowe on that two-on-one. And then that's that's like defensive shift is all Aki needed. He saw the gap and he just, he backed himself. He pinned the ears and powered through. Um, and to be honest, it was it was the first of many good things he did in this. Well, it wasn't even the first of many good things he did in this game. It was one of them. Uh, had a great match. Uh, not too long away then, just before the uh, end of the half, Johnny Sexton got his own. Decided he needed to get in on the act. All the tries going around. Um, it was pretty much a walk in. Um, we were awarded a penalty for a high tackle on the halfway line. Uh, Gibson Park with that uh, quick tap. Uh, saw the organized disorganized defense um, in front of him. Uh, he fed the ball to Bundyaki on the inside. Uh, Aki in turn found Johnny in space, uh, who jogged into score under the posts, and then since Sexton converted his own try, but not without a little bit of drama. Um, as Sexton walked that in, uh, Jason Tamane uh, made a last ditch effort to tackle, and in the process, accidentally caught his knee on Johnny's hand uh briefly enough it wasn't a it wasn't the worst slide in I've ever seen in fairness uh but uh there it, it was borderline borderline I'd say, is what I'd call it anyway uh it looked like he was in a bit of sex was in a bit of pain but he he took the kick and he was back out after the half so hopefully it was nothing in it at all in the end 
Absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, just on that uh, Bundy trial, we, we did a TikTok feature in that. If anyone wants to check out our account, uh, TikTok uh, at Harper and Rugby. And uh, yeah, in the Sexton, Sexton trial, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in our bonus code for YouTube. Uh, if you want to check that out as well, we'll tell you more about that later. And uh, of course, all that left the halftime score as uh, Ireland 33, Romania 8. Now, before we continue, just a word letting you know, we're recording an extra little chat about Johnny Sexton, and you can check that out as a video over on our YouTube channel, like I was saying just now. When you're done listening to us here, and I'm sure while you're there, uh, you can hit the old subscribe button while you're at us. So the second half kicked off with nothing really happening for the first minute or so, allowing Simeonescu to return to the pitch from the nutty step. But it wasn't long before a nice Sexton touch finder put us five meters from the line. And after more phases, we were held up only to go back for another penalty. And this time we went back to the old tap and go, courtesy of Rob Herring, Kieran. Yeah, and Herring, uh, it was a forged try, really. It was, um, it was yeah, Herring came up with the ball, but I think it was kind of the try that the whole, whole pack can take credit for. Sure, Herring won't mind taking credit for it, though. Um, you know, it was uh, I was actually calling for thinking bring Sexton off if he has any kind of injury, just in case. You know, um, he he seemed to be he seemed to be on it, no problem. But uh, he did well to find the corner with that kick. Herring took the line out. Uh, James Ryan claimed that seemed to be the way the line out was going to James Ryan, and um, you know, Romania actually defended quite well here. And in fairness, it, it would have been very easy for them to put the heads down and not really come out for the second half and just write this game off. They're probably aiming for the game against Tonga, but in fairness, they did well to hold things up. Uh, eventually, Ireland had the penalty for offside and just drove over the line. It was, um, it, you know, it was it was still credit to Romania. They were making things difficult for Ireland, but look, it was just a difference in quality. And, um, you know, uh, I think we're going to score a few more tries like that this World Cup. And then... And then um, yeah, just after that, then Peter Armani got his first try, his second try since the 2019 World Cup, uh, and his first of the day. Uh, Gibson Park again did really well. I think he's, um, you know, I think his importance is kind of understated for the for this Ireland team, and uh, you know, his quick pass found Armani. And um, in fairness, uh, Peter Armani, I think um, you know, every now and then it seemed like there were talks about him maybe being past his best and maybe he is but he's still important to this Ireland side and I feel like he's the kind of player who'll push a lot of others in training uh, and make sure that every every back row maybe every forward in the team knows if their standards slip they won't be guaranteed to pace the squad so uh, yeah, good to see him get a try Absolutely. And uh, so that made it now a 47-8 to Ireland with half an hour to go. And now is a good time to change the full front row, including the much-needed return to test rugby of Ronan Kelleher. This was to be the second longest spell without a score, lasting 11 minutes, where we saw more on from the bench, including a strangely red scrum capless Josh Vanderflair. And as the clock ticked into the final quarter, he was the one crashing off a lineout, setting us up for with phases in the 22 keynote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, Johnny again deciding to, to prove that there's life in the old dog yet. Um, Joe McCarthy made an attempt to dive over the line, uh, unfortunately denied, and uh, Romania's defence responded with some very intense tackling, some of which was possibly more intense than the laws allow for, but uh, was a less uh, slip on the day anyway, was let away, allowed with on the way, on the day anyway, by the ref. Um, yeah, um, Murray managed to retrieve the ball, and... Um, Basically, uh, it was we were counting their line. Um, there was a gap on the open side. I think I saw Murray look up, look across, and then pass. He obviously got the call from Sexton, who was running like 
the clappers <laughs> at that gap um, and a call for the ball and uh, absolutely smashed over the line. Uh, he got a low chop uh, from Romania's Bardasu for his for his efforts, but uh, there was no stopping him really at that speed, but that much space still there. Um, so converted that as well, and uh, that gave him a total of 24 of Ireland's 54 points at that stage, which is a rather stunning return to uh, return to play for uh, an old has-been uh, who spent the entire year on the physios table or in front of the jury. So, yeah, fair play. <laughs> and what is he now? He's been done about nine points a Raj, is he, on the all-time list? Not that we're counting, not that we're following that. Much. Yeah, he just he needs the 10 points. I think he needs the 10 points now. Uh, yeah. Just 10 points now uh, to get the all-time point scorer. So, you know, that, that'll probably never happen. It'll be fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, 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 I can't <laughs> see it happening now. Yeah, and then uh, Joe McCarthy, uh, having been denied multiple times throughout the game, finally got his moment of glory, giving it an over the line. Um, it was a uh, off of a botched lineout by Romania. Um, Murray pops it to a static McCarthy, and he just sees the opportunity of a, um, a Romanian defence in disarray and uh, kind of runs straight through the remains of the lineout. Um, and as basically all the Romanian players can do is turn their heads and watch him as he passes. Um it was it was nice to see him get one. I think he actually had a really, really very good game for a young, promising player. Uh, you know, a lot of resilience and determination throughout that game. Um, great showing for a young lock, and I was delighted that he got his chance to get get the, get get over the try line uh, on his on his World Cup debut. Okay, so so after that, the fifty burger was now a sixty burger, and we weren't done yet. Going right back at them from the restart after Joe's try, Kieran. Yeah, so uh, Peter Armandi over again, uh, ten tries in seventy minutes. So, like you said, it was pretty much a pretty much a point a minute. Um, uh, Crowley uh, had come on at this stage, and he stepped in here as scrum half. Uh, I think he did well when he came on. You know, he didn't have too much of a chance. To, he didn't have too much of a chance to do anything wrong, I suppose. But uh, he did what he needed to do right. Uh, so he stepped in. Henderson, who um, also uh, who also did well when he came on, he uh, tapped it on to Omani, who was on the wing, uh, his favorite position since 2013. Uh, he uh, he finished that move off. Uh, so Peter Armani, another one who's proven there's life in the older players, and that's what I like to see from Sexton and Peter Armani. You know, they're they're not making it not making it easy for younger players to come through. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're making it easy for young players to adapt and training. Uh, but it's you know it's not they're not allowing anyone to take their place to the team, and I think that's what we need in this in this uh, Ireland squad going forward as well. We need the players who will become senior players to not give up their place as easy and to keep the standards high. But, uh, yeah, Manny finishing that one on the wing. And then Bundiaki, who, as Kino said, had a very good game. Um, he goes to the 75-point mark at the 75th minute. Uh, Mac Hansen was the first receiver there. Um, and um, he, uh, he did something he's quite good at. Actually, uh, he's um, you know he's good at um, he's good at acting as that first receiver, and Aki just powered over the line again. He got over two tackles, and uh, yeah, it's something. Um, it, it's look, I think Aki uh, he he took the chance. Obviously, he was starting anyway, but Henshaw would have came on, so um, he um, you know he he really showed that you know he can start in that twelve, and as long as he keeps his discipline, which he did here, uh, he's a good option to start at twelve. And now it was 75 to 8 with 
the clock ticking down as Peter Manny was named player of the match. Now I've said many times on the pod how important I think he is to the squad. So hopefully I'm safe saying that this was a surprise. In fact, I think it surprised himself. But anyway, we literally played right to the end. Hugo Keenan did look like he wanted to kick it out as he got the ball in the 22 with the clock in the red, but he could only offload it as he was tackled. But his teammates were eager to play on. So as I looked through my fingers, hoping there would be no injury, a kick ahead by Crowley was gathered by Bundiaki around halfway and Ring Rose was there to take it deep into the Romanian half. And if there was to be a ward for a lung-busting support run of the day, it had to go to Tyg Byrne, who brought it the rest of the way to the line, allowing Crowley to convert and make the final score an incredible Ireland 82, Romania 8. Okay, so we absolutely flew through that timeline. Um, it feels like that episode of Father Ted when he's trying to break the speedy mass record. Um, but anyway, this is now is the time uh, when I ask the lads for their final thoughts on the match, uh, starting with Kino. Yeah, normally when you play uh, lower-ranked teams, you're kind of damned either way. You know, a resounding win is kind of only against whoever, and God forbid if you have any issues against them. Um, but, th- you know, this is the World Cup. Every match matters. And uh, Ireland's game took about four minutes to get firing and uh, ended up with a record Irish Rugby World Cup scoreline. Now, while the team on the on a whole were absolutely on fire, uh, some of the lads stood out to me. Uh, I mean, first of all, let's start with uh, Sexton. You know, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he was he was back with a bang, and you know, despite injury and bans, he delivered in spades. Like he was everywhere. He was. Picking out the options on the line, setting up plays, scoring tries, nailing kicks, and you know his leadership is top top notch. Like you know he's 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 the conductor of a world class orchestra. They're just they just play better when he's there. Um, Joe McCarthy uh, was a revelation. He really was uh, from a from a from a lad. You know he's got the physique, but he also has the attitude uh, to be in this side, not just as a as an also ran or or bag holder. You know he played the full eighty. Three offloads, which which is the top for for forwards. Uh, Carried 35 metres, which was the third highest for forwards. Two clean breaks, four defenders beaten. Six tackles, which was the second highest. And two turnovers, which is the joint highest. And even, you know, denied the the try early on. You know, did he sulk? Did he go into himself? Not at all. He just kind of offered himself up again and went again, got his try. Uh, So he's definitely, he's one to watch. Uh, Now, uh, Bundyaki. Bundy was a beast. He also played the full 80. Three offloads, joint top. Carried for 190 metres, which is the top. Uh, five clean breaks, which is the top. And eight defenders beaten, which is the top. He powered through Mainly's defence like it was nothing and scored two brilliant tries. You know, every time he had the ball, you could sense something was about to happen. You know, he's got a knack for finding gaps and making the most of them. Okay, Kieran. Yeah, look, I uh, I think you know with the nail on the head there. Sometimes when you play... Um, lower rank sides were significantly ranked lower than you, and uh, Romania were the third rank, third lowest ranked team. None of their players have played in the World Cup before. They had qualified for every World Cup, but were disqualified in the 2019 for fielding an ineligible player. They had actually finished third in the European qualifiers, uh, but Spain again got the disqualified like they did in 2019. So, um, they, um they, you know, in a way, they, in a way, they would have been in the final qualification tournament rather than automatically qualifying, or sorry, qualifying for Europe. But uh, I was impressed generally with Romania how 
you know, they were resilient. And at the end of the day, they're playing the world number one in Ireland. And, you know, I think that game against Tonga will be excellent. I would worry that, you know, like other tier two teams or whatever we want to call them, um, they struggled as the game went on and they just started to tire. And I think that's something that comes from not playing a lot of games. I hope... Uh, I hope something's done to change that because I'd love to see a World Cup expanded to 24 teams, four groups of six, everyone plays every week. But at the same time, there's no point doing that if you're not giving the lower teams more games against higher level opposition. So uh, as for Ireland, yeah, look, I think uh, look, Sexton was excellent. Uh, I think there was no real, no real poor performance in there. And the main thing is no injuries because I think, you know, so often um, World Cups, this time around, it could be decided by a red card. It could be decided by an injuries. We don't know if, you know, when we go deeper into the tournament, obviously uh, players start to players start to feel the wear and tear. I think uh, Ireland, I think Ireland are, I think Ireland are favourites to top this group. Uh, I don't, I don't think they're guaranteed to do so, but I think um, you know, on form and on quality, they should. Um, but I am. Um, you know, it, it'll be it's it's going to be a tough road to get past the quarterfinal because it probably doesn't help us to have Romania and Tonga first up. Probably be good to have maybe Scotland in the second week. No harm having a week off after South Africa, and then you know you can finish off against Tonga where you can rotate that a little bit. But now we'll have to play probably a strong team against Scotland, and then obviously you have to play your strongest team in the quarterfinal against either France, New Zealand. But yeah, look, loads to be happy about. I mean, it was it was a record World Cup win. I think it was one of our record wins in general. Um, but um, you know, I think uh, I, th- I think really the hope was bonus point, no injuries. And we got more than that. We got we got we got two or three bonus points there we could have had. So uh, you know, I think uh, overall good. O'Mahony really good. Was surprised you got player of the match I would have given it to Bundiaki. Um, I was even more surprised at the pronunciation of Peter O'Mahony's name. Uh, oh, Majagany, I think it was. <laughs> uh, something along those lines. Uh, but it's not a hard name to pronounce. Sexton as well came back. Excellent. Slotted in no no problem. I think it's interesting to see if he plays against Tonga now. Might be no harm letting him try to get that record against Tonga with the nine points. If he kicks 10 points, 12 points, then, uh, you know, that's, that's not a worry against South Africa. No one's talking about that. And then we can just... Uh, whip them off but um i'd expect to see a lot of change from tonga ahead of the south africa game well that's brilliant lads we're gonna leave it there many thanks again for joining me this weekend i hope to have you on again soon thank you thanks steph so that's it for this week next up we will of course be giving ireland's next world cup assignment against tonga the full harp and treatment so as ever be sure to keep in touch via all the usual social social media channels the links are in the program notes in the meantime stay safe everyone Slan. <laughs>